When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he was 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hail Varsity Radio on a Saturday morning. Nice to have you alongside. My name is Mark Cranek. Chris Schmidt will be with us shortly. Who do we got in the studios? Hey, Did we do what's, this thing remote? What's up, Mark? It's Will. Will, what's happening, brother? Nothing. Nice to, have you as, nice to have you as well this morning on a Saturday after Nebraska falls to Iowa mm. and falls to one and four on the year. And if I had told you that that would be Nebraska's record in year three of Scott Frost three years ago, you wouldn't have believed it. No. I didn't believe it. I didn't think this is where things would be. Did you think this is where things would be? No. I didn't think it would be this bad. I didn't think it was going to be great. But I definitely didn't expect us to lose six straight to Iowa. Yeah, here we are. And... um, we might be looking at something that I, that we've talked about for a long, long time. Through coaches, through administrations, through programs, through decades now. And it's identity, yeah. right? Identity. And we're looking at an identity crisis yeah. right now. Again, through another staff another program what what are these guys and the and when i say that i'm thinking about what did frost say when he got when he got here it's we're gonna go fast around here yeah the big we're gonna go fast big tens get out the change for us yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. we're gonna go really fast around here (laughs) okay that's what he said And you believed him. You had no reason not to believe him. Right. We saw it at UCF and Oregon. Of course. You know, and and then he didn't necessarily say this, but inferred within that proclamation was we're going to spread the ball to a lot of playmakers. Right. Yeah. Then a year or so later, after going through the Big Ten, he's like, damn, we got to get bigger. We got to get a lot bigger. And he's right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do. Mm hmm. Yeah, bro, that's the Big Ten. Yeah. You can't you can't be tiny little fast guy. No. You can have a couple of them, but no. Yeah, you need to get bigger. <laughs> so then essentially what he was trying to build is the fastest and the biggest team. <laughs> like, oh that's what duh. Okay. Well let's r- roll with that then, I guess. Yeah, let's be the biggest and the fastest. Great, because if you can pull that off, awesome. Then you're basically Alabama. You're looking great. Or you're Ohio State. 
Like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> be the biggest and the fastest. Perfect. Yes. And now you're kind of neither. Right. You're, you're, you really, you're not either of those things. You don't got a bunch of playmakers on the field. You, you just don't. You, they're not on the roster. <laughs> if they are on the roster, they can't get on the field. You can't run a lot of power yet. Your power back is hurt. Right. You don't have fullbacks. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> big backs. So you can't do that either. So what are you? And and I'm and I'm bringing this up because it's like I firmly believe this too. And this isn't this isn't to start off with, oh, well, Frost has to go. I still think the dude needs time. I really do. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't true. I, I wish that this wasn't a rebuild and that, he, you know, but but it is, man. He, right. he definitely needs the time. The, the, the people that are on the roster, essentially, not all of them, but a big chunk of them are freshmen. Yep. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. A lot of your upperclassmen have left. It, right? It, they, they, through attrition or, or whatever. There's just not a big experienced veteran nucleus to lead this team right now. Yeah, you're right. There just I, isn't. I agree. There's, there's not. They just don't have them. You just, you just don't have those guys. So I think he needs time. But the thing I've liked about him, the reason why I thought and think this will still work is because the guy has a plan for everything. Whether or not that plan works is another story. But he has a plan. Here's the thing, though. The plan he had coming in for what this offense and this program would and would not be, like whatever that what that plan is not working. It's not You're that. Right. Pl- Do you, you think need to revise the plan? Huh. I mean, what to what though? I mean, because I I'm a fan of the fast offense. You know, get up to the line and you know you're you're into the end zone in two minutes. You know, like, but I mean, what do you go to? I, look, I'm not saying he has to change. I, I'm just, whatever his vision was coming in, though. Yeah. Whatever that plan was. Spread the ball to a bunch of playmakers. <laughs> be fast. That ain't how your roster is, man. Right. You got Wandale. Who's a baller. You, definitely. You got Xavier Betts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, true freshman. I Look. You need to roll with what you got right now and figure it out. <laughs> I, and the Big Ten is a pretty unforgiving place to do that. Right. To just try to figure it out. And I, I think he's got to figure like you're you're he's seriously trying to be. He's trying to blend the the the, the Oregon speed with the Nebraska power. And it has happened before. Right, like Florida kind of did that, huh? With with Tebow and okay, right? They kind of did that for a time. Ohio State, to some degrees, is kind of that. Okay, but dude, that's really hard to acquire. That the right mix of players to pull that off. I feel for the guy. I mean, that must be tough coming in with a plan that you think you know works, but when you get to a conference like this, it doesn't. It's good. So now it's like okay. Now what? Well, and dude, when you watch, you watch Oregon, Oregon State last night. I didn't, but I saw what happened. It's, 
I mean, you might as well be watching another sport when you're watching Pac-12. <laughs> At least that, or it was the the disinterest in tackling is stunning <laughs> compared to a Big Ten game. It, wow. it is so different. Wow. Like all those cliches about the different conferences are really kind of true. <laughs> I mean, they just are, like. Yes, you will have some hard hitters. You have some good defenders in the Pac-12. But collectively, as units, dude, they don't care about tackling people. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, not, a, it's just not like that. It, it is just a very different sport, which is why bowl games are so awesome. When you sure. pit you know, these vastly different styles together. So he's coming from that kind of style. It's, it's just different. It is, and I, even like going along with that, the other thing, part of that identity when he got here was the fear of fail, failure, you know? And I, I, when looking at the team, man, I just, I feel like they are playing with a lot of fear of failure. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's really fair. And, and you're pointing to, so, so look, you got to figure out what you're trying to build as a program. Like, what can you build sustainably here? What, what, whether it's an offensive style, a system, what is it that you can build where players will come and they will they will stay, they won't leave, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and they will develop into this. Like, what is that system? Hmm. Develop that. Okay, that that you got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be some sort of weird. It's not going to look like Oregon. It's not going to look like Tom Osborne's option. <laughs> you got to figure it out. But what's it going to be? Because they haven't figured it out yet. Right. And I, I'm like, you know, we're not going to go to the title game. So maybe just take the rest of the, the season and try and figure that out. Or you just figure it out in the offseason. But I don't know. It, you know more football than me, Cranach. Well, listen. They – well, it, but you just touched on something else. Uh, and, and it points to just leadership in general. Mm. You know? Yeah. The, the fear of failure thing is part of it. Um. And this is not to make excuses, okay? I'm just stating facts here. These are things that are happening. Whether or not you want to treat those as an excuse or a reason or whatever, totally different story. But you're looking at a coach that's relatively young, who recently lost his father, recently became a father, is coaching during a pandemic, and has a pretty young staff around him. Okay, and this isn't all. Again, I'm not saying all this because it's like he deserves some sort of pass, or we should feel sorry for him. Sure. I'm just saying, though, that's a lot. Dude's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot happening there. On top of running the Nebraska pro- program, being the head coach at Nebraska <laughs> is a difficult job. That that is not an easy. This is not a place you cut your teeth. Yeah, no, it's a good question. What's more challenging, being the president of the United States or bringing back Husker football? I think it's a tough uh, argument. I mean, look, it's not easy. It's not. It's a it's a hard job. And so he's trying to learn that as well. So you got all that going on. And meanwhile, you're, you're, the plan you had coming in isn't quite – like it's almost like a midlife crisis – yeah. It's like a mid-program crisis. Yes, that is a great way to put it. Right? He's trying to fit. He's got a lot to fit. He needs to step. Look, the the inexperienced staff around him, that's on him. That was his leadership decision. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, we've reached the time of year and we've reached the record where, of course, the knee-jerk reaction is fire staff members. Yep. Saw a lot so of that. Yeah, that's in the water right now. And who knows? He might. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But you have inexperience all over the place. You just do. This This is not a veteran coaching staff. And they are going up against pretty veteran-ass coaching staffs. Right. Pretty regularly in the Big Ten. Programs that know exactly who they are and what they are. Iowa knows exactly what the hell it is and who it is. Northwestern knows exactly what the hell it is and who it is. Illinois does not, which is... <laughs> it's almost like Illinois just is like such an outlier. I can't, even, I can't even fathom that whole situation right now. But Ohio State knows who the hell they are and what they want to be. Right, they, they, these these programs have firmly planted identities, and I know it gets frustrating when Frost brings up, and he did this yesterday in the press conference. I, it, he harkens back to the '90s, harkens back to he he literally brings up Peter and Wistrom, and he brings up uh, you know nobody had to tell those guys to to get after it, and he's alluding to culture and he's alluding to juice and things like that. I get what he's saying. Like what he's trying I don't know I don't agree with the way he's trying to do it, but what he's trying to say, and it is true, you have to have a program that self-polices, that the team itself leads. That's what he's trying to say. And he and he brings up that he brings up his personal experience in the nineties, because that's that's the way that he kind of can that's the analogy he's trying to bring up. Metaphor he's using, whatever you want to call it. But, and then fans roll their eyes because it's after another freaking loss. So you kind of roll your eyes at no matter what the hell he says. You're just like, oh, God, he's bringing up the night. Peter. Let's, let's talk the- 90s. Let's talk 90s. Craig. I am I am sorry. I hit a train. Uh, my dog. I'm kidding. I, I just got to Welcome bed. At in, Chris. I, I got to bed at 11. And, you know, when you hit snooze and you roll over. Never done it. And then you go. And then, I'm, here, I'm here bright and early every freaking Saturday. And, and then you go, oh, bleep. Because the wife's like, it's 6.50. What are you still doing here? The fact that your wife sounds like that is concerning. She is Linda Blair from The Exorcist. <laughs> she is such a sweet, beautiful woman. And there's an evil streak. Um Listen. Incidentally, uh, uh, you have been with her since the 90s. So we, we have. Segue. It works well. Segway. She uh, had a little Jennifer Aniston haircut, and it was it was wonderful. Um, she talks like this. She talks like she smokes through a hole through her throat. Yeah. Um, so listen, man. Yesterday was just another. There's a there's a wonderful gif of of karate or jujitsu training on uh, on the internet, and it's um, well. It's different uh, shots to people's growing, where maybe it's a log, maybe it's a tire iron, maybe it's a knee, maybe it's a kick. You've probably seen it, and that's what yesterday was for Nebraska fans because it was different in the sense where things got figured out, they overcame their own inefficiencies and and still scored with some bad snaps to tie things up at, at halftime, 13 apiece. And then you go get the football and you go score. 
So you had a, a, a pretty good run. One three and out was it yesterday for Nebraska. Their final five out of seven possessions, yeah. they were able to score. So Against a very good defense. Against Mike. a very good defense. But yeah. I think, and, and I listened to Coach Frost's postgame. We're going to re-air that here coming up at 7.30. So you've maybe seen the clips, but get the whole thing, the whole context of things. And his kids right now don't care about the 90s. Fans still love the 90s and want to return to the 90s. But they're they're also tired of hearing for hearing about it. I think Scott Frost he he gets today's kids. And I think the thing you got to do with 18 to 22-year-olds, and I even got to do with Junior that I never did with my dad, really was like, ask why. Well, why do I need to cut the grass? It's 100 degrees out. Because <laughs> I freaking said so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. That's a big, that's been a, that's a generational uh, thing. Why? Yeah, why? So I think when he references and touches on the 90s, I think that's his why to his team about internal motivation, self-policing, and he's not wrong. You talk to any coach, any era, no, even winners today, he's not. Urban Meyer, he'll get on BTN no. and say, well, the best teams I had were self-led. He's, exactly. try- he's trying to get somebody to step up in that locker room and mm-hmm. be leaders of the program. And what does he have now? He's got a great dude. And Adrian Martinez that stayed ready, didn't pout, and came back and played a played a good football game. And and there are things that he could do better, clearly, uh, downfield. But in the same sense, we just see it where there's not trust with some of the receivers. Because, you know, there were some times where Betts was open, right? But in the second half, Iowa would bring a, a delayed blitzer, and that would screw things up, okay? So there are people getting open. And then there are times where Adrian can brush his teeth back there and nobody's getting open. I mean, that's football. But back to the why part, him talking about the 90s and how things were back in my day, that's his why, okay? And, and, the, and the, this is why we did it. This is how we did it. These were the results that followed. And the... The thing that's that's wearing on people is his reference to previous staff, and he was a little more, I guess, diplomatic about that yesterday versus past times where he's kind of thrown or or pointed out issues, uh, locker room or accountability issues, right? He's because it's a rebuild, right? That's been that's been talked about by him, and Keyshawn Johnson kind of called him out on it this week nationally, but Scott, I got a kick out of, and and it didn't make some happy, but I loved his not back down uh, attitude of, well, I'm still Scott Frost when it comes to the doubt topic. People doubted Mm -hmm. me at Nebraska and look how that turned out. He still has at least verbally (laughs) unwavering faith. And he's got a, He's got to portray that. But it doesn't match up with the final clip I saw of him where 
Adrian strip sacked, and he's like crouched on his knees on the sideline, just deflated. And then we all saw him in the post game where every jugular in that giant neck was ready to pop because he was so pissed. And I just, here's my problem. I am so, so frustrated with the offensive line. And they're not they're not going to be perfect. I get it. Football's tough. The offensive line's your key. And and I I know enough people who know Greg Austin that they know he's a good coach and they think he can do the job. And I, I still think that's possible, but when you've got Two of your young pups. You only had four penalties yesterday, but man, damn it, those were those were so key with the hold right that didn't need to happen that blew up a thirty-one yard gain for Nebraska. The uh, the false start that was just rough. Man, they were killers. And then a guy that is your captain, and your captains are supposed to be the not only. Guys that are most respected, but they're also, you know, you want the, the best player and the hardest worker to be the same dude, okay? Because that's, that's your team leadership. And, I mean, poor Farniak just got, got worked by that defensive tackle, and it just, God, he feels sick and you feel for him. But you just keep having, you can't have some of your, your air quote, best keep getting beat right and and even with with the Jurgens situation where I mean they went back to him and, and Cam got things fixed in the second half but you still had issues in the first half that derailed some things man of course they overcame one of them for a, for a touchdown drive but your your take on identity and what you know what are they trying to be I mean I think there's so much searching going on. And I just want to see practice. I want to see what's going on. I want to see what's what's who and what's being. No, I know, but I'm just saying this this staff and this head coach grew up the right way with how they practiced at their programs. Did Where, they though? Well, I think right. most. Yeah, I mean, between Rude and between Frost and between Austin, I mean, they're Nebraska guys. Okay. Right. I mean, Travis Austin under Callahan, though. Yeah. Well, but I mean, Austin's. I don't root under Frank and Callahan. Right. They they had enough success in their careers to. Shinander under Ferentz, and then Uh some stuff with the Eagle. I don't know. Well, I I don't know what what's what's going on in practice, and why is it such a self inflicted? Well, and what's going on with the damn roster? Dude, well, and like, you, got, you need to. You got Delancey that's into the transfer portal. There's other okay. murmurs out there that of that, that other young people. I listen, think, I think listen, it, to, listen to that. Listen to the roster. If you're, listen to Florida for a second. Thirteen Florida signees since Frost has got here. Mm-hmm. Right, thirteen. Four are left on the roster. I don't. You've signed thirteen players in three years from the state of Florida. Nine of them, not here, gone, no contribution. Or minimal. Okay. And look, I think we expected some roster attrition. I, we did expect that. 
it's exceeded, I think, any of our expectations for what that thing would look like. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out your roster. You need to figure out what kind of pro, what, what are you recruiting to? Because obviously there's a mismatch. There's some sort of mismatch going on there. There's some sort of disconnect of what a player is expecting they're going to have when they get here versus mm. the reality. Can there's I, a disconnect can, going on there. Can I dive into my theory with, with that? Sure. I think you have an ability to get in the door down there. It's It's been shown. You've told me there's 13 Florida kids, right? The, the, yep. I think between Fisher and Becton and Frost, there's still there there was still buzz and that, that buzz is waning, but there's still buzz from from seventeen. The connections are are go back years. And I think from a scouting standpoint with Fisher, he sees talent and he sees it young, and I think he sees guys that can come here and really contribute. The rub is here's a, back to the why. The rub is this, where you have just an issue of patience with some of these kids where they get impatient because they're used to being the guy and they've been at a high level and a high talent level in Florida. And they get here and they just don't like the process of what benchmarks they got to hit to get on the field. Okay, now listen, Chris, I believe that that's true. I'm not accusing you of this, Mm -hmm. but that's also kind of putting the blame on them. No, well. No, I'm just saying. No, that's that's fine. That's fine. Right? And and what it is, though, is, okay, because I think that, again, was part of the plan coming in. Part of the plan coming in is got these recruiting contacts in Florida. We're going to get some Florida dudes. We're going to bring them in. We're going to have some speed on the field. We're going to distribute the ball to a bunch of playmakers. What? Th- that ain't happening, bro. That plan ain't working because those Florida kids that you're bringing in aren't staying here. You need to address something even either culturally, structurally, programmatically, mm-hmm. or you need a different plan because they're not staying. So that So that's not working. You don't have a roster full of speed playmakers. You don't. They're, they, you don't have them. If you have them, they ain't on the damn field. The, and if the, they ain't on the damn field, then w- w- what is up with your the system that you're running that doesn't allow your fast people to get – right? Like, mm-hmm. you need to revise your plan. Well, I, I – <laughs> You need I, to revise the plan. I think there's a, a real – Again, here are the steps you need to take mentally, physically, and then football IQ-wise to get better, earn our trust, get on the field, and then go make plays. And maybe there's just not some there's not the consistency, and there's always competition, and that is a perfect storm for guys to say, "Screw it, I'm leaving." And it is a two-way street. I'm not blaming the kids. I think Nebraska is in a position to try and hit this plan we speak of where they have gambled on guys that are uber talented but may not have the maturity level or get that it's going to take some time. Scott referenced it this week with, you know, patience. Might have been after last last 
uh, Saturday's loss to Illinois about, you know, I didn't play till my fourth year in college, and it worked out okay. But not every kid, not not every kid's good at being patient, and we oh. we uh, we understand that completely. But that's I think you've reached on some kids that you hope to get up to speed on their timeline versus the reality of the timeline where they're not ready. I think these, this staff's very cognizant of not putting kids in iffy or shaky positions until the coaches think they're ready. The, the kids do think they're ready. And there's your, your disconnect, and there's the reason you're, you're leaving. I mean, we can go down the list of guys that have left the program that were supposed to be, I mean, and I'm thinking of Mo, and I'm thinking, and this guy's not left the program, but you were counting on Omar Manning this year. And whatever the hell's going on with him, there's there's been that's my point, man. Is very, it, right? That's very that's, few that's snaps. Exactly my point. So it's you're, like you're, you're, gam- you're gambling on yeah. some guys that could play at a lot of different spots, yeah. but they're one of several. Where this you'll be the guy here. Uh, we don't have dudes like you on the roster, so come to Nebraska, and then once you get here. Uh, are you able to do <laughs> what you need to do to get on the field? And that answer has yeah. been no. No. And, and and are you able to, as a staff then, assemble a roster that doesn't attrit? <laughs> that, no right? is the answer. That, but what what's what's the critical level you're at? And right now in Nebraska, it's a – it's a it's a in and exit is what you got. You you, you you take and spend all the time getting kids. You beat out some high name programs. You look at the physical measurements and just the pure athleticism of some of these kids. And you're like, damn, that's difference making. And look, but bro, but it doesn't stick. No. And listen, we're saying all this after a six point loss to a superior team on the road mm-hmm. during a pandemic. OK, like. There is progress. I'm not saying that there is zero progress. There, they're def. Look, the way that Nebraska actually hits and they, 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 they are smacking people, and that is yes. that is that. There is your example of progress. Yeah. You're totally. you're getting back to being closer to old school Nebraska, where you beat the hell out of people. The totally. problem is, is you're not cleaning up penalties, mm-hmm. and there's mistakes, and you just when push comes to shove. I think a lot of this state is betting on the other team to find a way to win versus Nebraska because Nebraska finds a way to lose these close ball games because they don't make enough plays or they don't stay disciplined. You're dicey on offense. You're, it's just, it's flimsy. It just, it doesn't feel like a firm identity on offense yet. And you need one and you need to figure that out. You got a lot of young guys to do it, but all that said, look, he has brought back, a physical, a physicality, a physical component. They hit people, and that look. That's just the cost of doing. Like that's, I don't want to give them too much credit because that's like football. It's like supposed, that's what it's you supposed should to do. happen. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to like smack that, but that is back, and that is a good thing to see because that has been missing for a long time, <laughs> and it's back now. Like okay, got something to build on. You got some dudes that'll actually smack you. Because they absolutely hit Iowa yesterday. I mean, I, I don't think anybody was disappointed with how physical Nebraska was. I thought Nebraska did exceptionally well, and they they tackled, they hit, they kept them in the game. They they forced threes. I mean, they did. They they. Yeah. I mean, Iowa was four fifteen on third down. Yeah. 
there's there's still some guys that you're leaning on that just still need some awareness. And I know it sucks to hear about being young, being young. And it's it's the you know, change the record, right? But I the the thing is is you're not sure anymore if it's just youth or are these guys going to get coached up to, to finally get over the hump. There's real serious doubt about where or how good this team can be under Frost and his assistants. And by the way, listen. That's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a, I don't have a percentage, but that is now in the atmosphere. Oh, it is. And, it is. And, and I, and yeah. you know, uh, the, the going back to the doubt point that Frost made. So, listen, you, you're just going to have to ride it out, and it's a bumpy ride, and you can choose to still be a fan or you can choose to, to bitch and moan about it and and then get back on the bandwagon when yep. they start winning again because he's the guy and he's here, and you can question whether he's the guy or not. The guy has seven years on his contract, yep. and that's that. So it's just not going – to anybody's liking from a, from an expediency standpoint. You know, and l- listen, let's let's back up, let's be fair too. When he first got here, everybody was just fine with however long the contract needed to be because you didn't think and, it'd take this long. <laughs> what, but 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 everybody also realized the depths to which the program had sunk. Well, I think it was just yes. like give this dude time like it's got to work, give him whatever he wants, let him spend the time to build this right like Everybody was in agreement with that. And then, two, coming into this year, I think we all kind of put an asterisk next to the season anyways because of the pandemic. Sure. I think it's important that we don't lose sight of those. Like, when you're in the middle of it, it's easy to nitpick and criticize, and talk, right? Mm-hmm. But when you step back and think, like, hey, said from the beginning, this dude needs a, lo- a long time. Well, you're- it's only... He's only two and a half years in. Well, the other side of that, <laughs> and then though, two, this season is a train wreck for a lot of reasons. It is the the for thing, a lot of programs. The thing that that makes you have pause, though, is seeing the same mistakes. Sure. That that sure. that just absolutely fires you up as a, as a Nebraska fan. Sure. The inability to execute and play smart, clean football, and yeah. and. Not even having a killer mentality to build on a on a win over Penn State against Illinois. That's what absolutely wears out Nebraska fans where you go out and get blown out. And then you turn around and you're right there against Iowa. They th- This game could have been the same thing we watched yesterday had they beat Illinois. It was just going to be one of those type games against Iowa. The point is, is the, the Illinois loss has been snuck in. And you look disinterested and, and full of yourself and, and not ready to play ball. Great act. You want to step out and, and hear uh, from Scott? Let's do it. All right. Quick timeout, weekend edition. Sale Varsity uh, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Will Wilson this morning. And uh, we'll hear from Gary Sharp in less than an hour. Brandon Vogel coming up. And uh, Scott Frost, his post game. Uh, in all its glory from yesterday in Iowa City. That's on the way. We'll also have uh, some of Captain Kirk's comments about clapping. Uh, that was interesting yesterday. Hail Varsity continues. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well,
Victor, here's the game plan. Either bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Break down the loss. I was embarrassed last week with the way we played, the way we approached the game. That's on me as a coach. Um, I, I told the guys in the locker room after, I, I'm not embarrassed to coach this team. I'm proud of this team. Um, that's a good team we played. We had chances to win. Um, we got to button things up and do the little things right all the time so that the two or three plays that cost us that game don't happen. Um, I thought they moved on their field goal to go up 23-20. Didn't get called. We're down a field goal, run the ball down deep into their territory and get a holding penalty. Defense steps up and gets a stop. Uh, we fumble a punt. We're down six. Defense gets us another stop. We have a chance to win the game. But you can't do those things against good teams. The good teams in this league are buttoned up like that. And I keep saying we got a lot of talent in this program right now. We went toe-to-toe with those guys. We went toe-to-toe with Northwestern. We're just doing the little stuff that gets ourselves beat. And part of that's a function of having young players, that we need time with them to get them buttoned up. Um, But I was proud of the team today. Sooner or later, woulda, coulda, shouldas need to turn into wins. But I don't doubt it for a second. Next question, Parker Gabriel. Parker Gabriel. Gabriel. Hey, Scott, you made a couple of references to special teams there in, in that answer, but how frustrating to sort of go toe-to-toe with them offensively and defensively and have a couple of breakdowns special teams-wise that, that cost you. It's really frustrating. Um, it's really frustrating. We spent a lot of time on that. Um, I expect it to be better. We were supposed to punt the ball to the sideline like we did later in the game and we left one in the middle of the field. That can't happen. That's the detail and stuff that I'm talking about that as an entire coaching staff and the leaders on our football team, we can't we can't let anything happen. Not one inch of anything that's not disciplined, not buttoned up. Um, those things can't happen. We need to catch every punt in practice. Every punt because it matters. Um, we played too good defensively to give them the fields we gave them. And it, it can't be we're buttoned up on defense and we don't play well on offense. It can't be we play well on offense and don't play well on special teams. Um, that kind of discipline has to go all the way through the program that starts with coaching staff. It was way better this week. The kids approached the game way better. I love their intensity, love their fire, love their fight. That's how they have need, need to play every week. Sherman. Hey Scott, um, how'd you feel about the quarterbacks today, and what was what went into your um, thought process to uh, use them the way that you did? Uh, we told them they were go- both going to play. Our plan was to play Adrian two series and put Luke in. We graded every rep last week in practice, and they were dead even. Both completed 81 percent of their passes in, in practice. Both had two turnovers, one of which wasn't their fault. Um, we got two good young players, two good quarterbacks. Uh, we need to continue to 
hit a few more of the easy things that they give us that we miss at that position, particularly in the pass game. Um, but I thought we threw it downfield better. I thought both guys managed the game well when they were in. And we got two good players. We'll continue to let them compete. I said last week, uh, Luke's the future of this program. There's no doubt what kind of player I think he's going to be. I just don't know if that future is now or when Adrian's all done at Nebraska. But I, I've been... I've been doubted in Nebraska as a quarterback. Uh, Adrian's felt that too. I was proud of how he responded. Next question, Joe Nugent. Scott, it was a good spurt there at the end of the first half and then coming out to start the second half, and then something changed. What was it? I don't think anything changed. We got really bad field position a couple times, and they're a good team. Um. We needed one more drive somewhere. We needed one less fumble, one less penalty, one more stop, one more call. Um, that's the kind of game you're going to have to win against Iowa and Northwestern because they don't give you anything easy in Wisconsin. Those are really good teams, really good teams that you know have been doing the same thing for a long time, know what they're doing. They have detail and discipline in their program because they've been building it for a long time. We're still trying to get there. Um, we're a heck of a lot closer than where we were. That's why I told the guys to walk out of here with their head up high. I told you I was embarrassed to coach the team last week because we didn't play like a team that I want to coach. Um, but I would say I don't think our record's indicative of where we are right now and the improvements we've made. Just sooner or later, we got to be buttoned up and detailed enough to make sure that these close games go our way. Derek Peterson. Yes, yeah, Scott. You went back to Cam Jurgens uh, to start the second half. What what was the decision making process behind that? And then what do you do with center moving forward to try to get the snaps cleaned up? The issue with snaps today, uh, I don't think had anything to do with his technique. Um, there was clapping going on on uh, their sideline and uh, Cam heard that clap and thought it was the quarterback clapping. Uh, we discussed with officials and didn't happen in the second half. Uh, next one, Steve Sippel. Coach, I know, I know this wasn't a total offensive line issue, but I mean, and it wasn't just Cam. Did you expect that group to be a little further along than it is at this point? The offensive line? The offensive line? Yeah. I don't know, Sip, but, you know, it's hard to run the ball in Iowa. They do a good job. I give I give Kirk and his staff a lot of credit. There's not easy easy yards against them. Um, I thought we creased some runs, got stopped on some others. Had a couple negative plays. They just kind of guessed right and blitzed on the first drive, blitzed the guy off the edge to the side of a fly sweep. Another time on mid-zone, plugged the backer, and he came through and tackled us for a loss. Um, but those things are going to happen in a football game. Um, I think they're playing pretty well, especially considering we got uh, Cam Jurgens at center that's been an old lineman for two years, and Ethan Piper is a freshman, and Bryce Benhart is a freshman. Um, 
you know, Jaime and Tvarniak have been our leaders and our bell cows up there. Uh, I know Matt's hurting, just looking at him in the locker room uh, because of what happened on the last play, but I love him. Um, he's fought through a lot at Nebraska and plays his tail off for us, and he's a really good player and a really good person. To the couple uh, really critical penalties down the stretch uh, by the, your young guys. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Sip. Those things can't happen. Um, you know, we have a chance to tie the game with, when Adrian uh, took the quarterback draw down deep in their territory, or or take the lead in the game, and um, instead we we come away with no points, punt to them, and they get three and. Yeah, those are the games you have to win in the Big Ten Conference, and you can't do those things. All right, we'll get two more. Um, Sam McEwen. Scott, you sound like a coach who, who could go out and play that game again right now. Um, it, 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 the, the emotion coming off you it just sounds like there's a combination of pride and incredible frustration over details that have been lingering for three years. How, how, do, you, how do you eradicate some of those small mistakes like a muffed punt or – um, um, you know, a punter that doesn't put the ball where it's supposed to be. Sam, getting that type of discipline and that level of discipline in our program has been a three-year process for me, and it's making me old. Um, discipline wasn't very good. I, I, I'm always careful not to criticize who came before me. The discipline wasn't very good when I walked into the building. Um give the old guys that are still here from when we got here a lot of credit for sticking through what they've stuck through and giving us the leadership that they give us. Um, it's unfortunate we didn't have spring ball. That would have helped. Uh, with COVID, we weren't able to spend as much time around our young guys. We're playing a lot of young players, and that, that kind of discipline takes time with them too. But you ask me how you get it done, Nobody can ever be late to class. When somebody was late to a workout when I was in school, it never got to Coach Osborne because JP and Grant would take care of it. Nobody can ever give less than 100% of practice. Finals till the last minute and not study. When you're detailed on the little things all through the week and all through the year, the detail comes in the game, and we still got some work to do. But uh, when I look at the faces of the guys in that locker room, um, I think they understand it and they're committed to getting it done. Did you put on your coaches this week to really impress upon them the need to coach it up this week and have this in preparation? Yeah, that's the coach's job. Um, you know, that being said, nobody had to tell me to, to go out and play my butt off every week. Nobody had to tell Mike Minner and Michael Booker and Joel Makovic to go play their butt off every week. Um, but that, that's our job if it's not getting done to get it done. I thought the coaches did a great job this week. I loved how we approached the game today. Um, the fire in our eyes and the willingness to play a 60-game fight with a good team. Um, 
we need to get a little better and button things up so that those few mistakes that cost the game don't happen. And it, it's got to happen quick. Juan Parker Gabriel. Hey, Scott, I know Scott, it wasn't know. perfect defensively, but did you think that you stood up to their run game and their offense better overall than the past two years, in particular playing without Colin for the first time this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we did. Um, again, I give them credit. They've been building this for a long time. They've been doing this for a long time. And we came here two years ago, and they ran outside zone on us, and we couldn't stop it. I thought they were bigger than us, stronger than us, and we got pushed around. Um, you know, they still hit their share. We made our share of plays. I'm not taking anything away from them. They, they're well coached and they're a good team. Um, but that didn't happen today. Um, and that's a sign of the progress we've made. The kids are hurting. Uh, they wanted this one. They did everything they need to this week to prepare for this and put themselves in position to win a game against a good team. And um, it's going to happen. I, you know, I, I've, been, I've been doubted in this state before, Parker, um, and I'm sure there's some out there right now. But um, I know what happened last time, and it's going to happen again. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two weekend edition. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Willie J, give us a follow and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Willie J. Tough one uh, understatement, right? Tough one on Black Friday, Nebraska and Iowa. Huskers had a chance, lost a chance, and uh, Iowa had something to do with it, but it was much of the same with Nebraska getting in their own way. So uh, we'll spend some time. We welcome in the managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and magazine, author, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. We say hi to Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, have you ever been doubted before with your smoking or grilling ability, your, your ability to barbecue? And if you were doubted, did you have an answer? <laughs> Um, I'm doubted every time I go out there because I'm usually just cooking for myself, and it's always kind of a. I feel a little bit like watching Nebraska football. It's like, well, I think we did everything right. Let's see how this goes. Um, <laughs> sometimes I have an answer, which might also be like Nebraska football at, at the moment of late. So, so yeah, I guess uh, I got I got to button some things up overall, starting with my confidence level. Well, and uh, when we talk about buttoning up. I was never a fan of somebody rocking the top button on a on a you know collared shirt. Uh, that was prominent uh, in the golf days, where you wear the uh, the short sleeve polo that was beautiful, but then they'd go full top third button. I'm like, what are you doing? There's no breathability there. This is turning into Seinfeld. But to the buttoning up uh, portion of things, 
You felt good for a while, Vogues, with, all right, Nebraska got down, Nebraska then tied, Nebraska had momentum, the Rodgers sack, you saw the excitement on the sideline, that juice carried over out of the third quarter with a touchdown drive, and then Iowa got the football, and it was critical, and what happens, Nebraska needs a stop, they don't get a stop, Iowa ties, and it's your typical back and forth, at least, you know what, at least it's now back and forth gut-punching Oklahoma-type losses versus just getting mauled for four quarters. So I guess there's progress there, but uh, it's still pain for Nebraska fans. And, you know, it's it's just more of the same, folks. And for the life of me, and I was kind of screaming to Cranach, I'd love to see what goes on in practice. Why do things keep happening to this team and and I don't want I want to move on from the why me mentality I also want to move on even though I think the 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 reason for the messaging by Frost about the 90s he's he's telling guys about why and internal motivation and if you do these things this way you'll be champions I mean he's he's explaining to them I just don't know if, if folks are over 90s story time and, and, and that's not a shot at the 90s guys they were great and we all and most of us that you know of, of this age really loved watching them perform they were they were incredible so it's not a shot at them but man I, I just there, there's a lot of questions and still no answers and this game could have gone just the same way the difference now here over the last two weeks Vogues is you have the Illinois loss that snuck in there, and that kind of compounds things. There's a lot to unpack from yesterday. Um, what, what was the most frustrating, and were you at a point yesterday where you said, okay, Nebraska is now going to lose this? Was it, was there a tipping point at all? Uh, no, and that might be the biggest takeaway. Like <laughs> There were moments uh, and uh, in our, our staff, Chat, which becomes an interesting place in game. Uh, <laughs> there, there were there were there were a, a couple of moments in the first half where I was really close to <laughs> to thinking, okay, this is this game's almost over. Not because the lead was so big, but just because like the way it was going. You know, when Iowa punted down to the two, uh, so Nebraska gets a stop on a scoring chance. On, on a drive across their forty, and Iowa punts it down to the two. I'm like, oh, geez, if they're if they're doing that, they're playing their brand of football, and it's going to be tough. I mean, the score was <laughs> that was the second second Nebraska Nebraska's second offensive drive of the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Nebraska came out and got a first down, which is essential, and was able to punt away, which didn't cover very, very well. Um, so that was kind of like execution stayed. And then that the third down after a, a penalty sets Iowa back at second and 21, uh, and they picked the third down on the, on the pass interference penalty. I thought if Iowa got a touchdown there right before halftime, that game was going to be hard for Nebraska to come back in. So really the story of it for me might have been uh, Nebraska being able to overcome some of those things and, and kind of fight through it and make it a game um, and, and, you know, first drive out in the second half kind of take the upper hand. So overall, the frustration, I guess, was the, like, the shocking sameness of, of it all. But for the most part, I came away encouraged from Nebraska. They really needed to play well. And I think for the most part, they did against an Iowa team that, that I, I still think is really good. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. 
And Brent, I know what you're saying, and it's weird to say this, you know, two and a half years into uh, Scott Frost's uh, program tenure. Um, but defense, defensively, they held up, and for the most part this year, that's kind of been the case. Are they dominant? Hell no. But do they give you a fighting chance? Yes. Right. For the most part, that's what this defense has been. Take the Illinois game out of this whole thing, which was a total anomaly. Um, but offensively, I, I want to break this down on what Nebraska is trying to be and maybe what the reality is, what they should be. Because if you, if you rewind to when Frost first got here, it's, hey, we're going to go fast around here. And you, and you get the insinuating that, you know, it's going to be kind of an Oregon speed UCF type thing distribute the ball to a bunch of playmakers, which is exactly what he did at, at Oregon and UCF, and it worked. Um, but those playmakers aren't – either they're not on the roster or they can't get on the field. Now, And then he also mentioned a year later after going through the Big Ten, we need to get bigger and stronger, right, and infuse this Nebraska power. It's kind of like they're neither right now, right? Like you're not really a power team that's huge. You're not really a speed team that distributes it. What the hell are they and what should they be based on recruiting realities and all that? What's your take there? Well, I think what they want to be is, is the team you saw in the opening drive of, of the second half. So I, I think part of the problem here for, for the offense these past two seasons in particular is that they can go fast, but it doesn't feel like, uh, a, 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 I guess, weapon that they use. It feels like they're going fast for the sake of going fast sometimes. But that, that opening drive, they were on schedule the, the entire time. And, and, and when you can do that, that's when you see them really pick up the pace. Uh, you know, a 10 yards, a 10-yard run, I think, to, to open that drive. And then it went, well, I have right here, 4 yards, 7 yards, 4 yards, 13, 15, 5, 12. You know, that is, is kind of, when you think back to the, the, the good old Oregon days of that offense, that's, that's what they were. And, and, you know, it's even those four or five-yard runs, they keep you on schedule. They allow you to run the next one quicker, and you, you're hoping that at some point you're just going to catch a defender who's, you know, out to lunch for a play or maybe not in the right spot. But I think the big thing, the reason that you can look to that 2018 season, particularly the back half of it, and thought you'd seen the future of the offense, and for it not to look like that anymore is the the lack of a handoff run game. They still just don't have one, and, and right now they don't have much of a downfield passing game. So they're pretty limited um, in, in two regards. But I think it really starts with with that run game. You look at what Divine and Ziegler did over those those last six or seven games for Nebraska that year, they could hand the ball off to him and he could get yards consistently, but he would also break some big plays. They're almost totally reliant on, on the quarterback run game for their most successful runs. Sometimes when you get Wandale back there, uh, you know, he's been steadily increasing or improving, I think, as, as a runner, as a handoff runner the past two weeks. But it's just, it's, it, they're built to, to be able to run the football and not having that, I think, has really slowed their progress down. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Let's talk about the topic of, of progress. And as you look at it this year, and Cranach's done a great job by kind of laying out uh, the thought process going in, you know, as, as things got kicked off finally with the saga and drama 
of COVID and the Big Ten, you, you rewind back and you're just thankful for football. Now that you're in a season, uh, you missed the Wisconsin game, you didn't show up for Illinois, uh, you feel like a couple of games, Northwestern and, and Iowa, you could have won, but they were the coin flip type games. But at least you're seeing progress defensively. Vogues, is is the, the fan base's frustration, just the, the interaction and sense you get on the offense and its lack of explosiveness, or is that kind of a 1B to the same movie that's shown with a lot of the mistakes, the holdings, the false starts, and the bigger picture of the offensive line. Why, why do you think the O-line's been so inconsistent or not been a strength? I think I'm raising both hands and saying that I thought the O-line was going to be really, really good, and they they just aren't dominant, and sometimes they are very costly with their mistakes. Yeah, they are. Um, and, you know, so far, I think I think the frustration, most of the frustration that you encounter does stem from the sameness of it. Um, and, and that even goes back, you know, it goes back to probably Polini years, too, where Nebraska just has this weird way of getting into these games where all of their mistakes are magnified. Like, you know, we're not talking about the, well, it was a clipping penalty, that you know, really could have killed an Iowa scoring drive, and it was a field goal, but killed the scoring drive. But they overcame that. And it feels like so many times Nebraska either doesn't overcome it or because they overcame it, uh, you forget about it. So, so those mistakes get magnified, and, and this is true, I think, for, for all football. Um, when you come in from one side of things, which if you're watching a football game, you usually have a rooting interest, it's just the way we watch games is, oh, that holding call costs them points. That's a problem. You got to clean that up. So Nebraska, it, it just needs to win one or one or two of these, these types of games. And I know that's, that's been kind of a consistent refrain, uh, but it does because yeah, I, I look at, I look at yesterday's game and yeah, there are a lot of mistakes that you can point to and say, well, this is, this is the reason for the loss. If they finish that drive, like we're talking about it, but it's not a crisis. And, and Nebraska has just had this, you know, hasn't had enough wins. So those things have accumulated here in year three. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to offense a little bit here. I, I just don't see Nebraska being able to, one, recruit, and then more importantly, retain the wide receiver talent that you sort of have to have in order to have that, that offense of UCF or Oregon or kind of insert power, um, power five team here that really has those threats. They just, it's not happening, right? I mean, it's year three, you get Omar Manning. He, he's, he can't, I don't know what's going going on with him, but he won't, he doesn't play. Um, you, you have, uh, Jamie Nance, Demarion Houston from past class that haven't even stepped on the field. You got Xavier Betts who maybe gets a target or two. I, like, is it a realistic expectation given where Nebraska is at geographically that that's the kind of offense that you can and should roll with? I don't think it's an unfair expectation. Um, what, 
you know, it, Nebraska's it's missed on on some wide receivers, um, and it looks like the attrition rate's going to continue to be pretty high there for the the foreseeable future. But you know, you have to go out and and, and try and find those guys, and most of the time you're going to find them from from pretty far away. And I think you know, and this is something that is just. It, there's there's not a band aid for this for for Nebraska. It's just the, the further away from home you get, uh, the uh, the noisier it can become. And in a, in a period like this, where things haven't gone to the schedule Nebraska or Nebraska fans would like to see, I feel like whatever differences that there are in a in a locker room, and I don't know what those are. I, you just know that there's there's always some of them. Alabama has some of them. They find a way to <laughs> minimize it, and it doesn't matter. Um, they can become magnified, you know, if you're a, a guy from Florida who, who came all the way to Nebraska and things aren't going the way you thought, like, it, it takes a lot to, to kind of power through that. I guess the counterexample to, to wide receiver and what's going on for Nebraska right now, the best one might be Indiana, which, which might have the best top-to-bottom uh, wide receiver core in the conference at the moment. And those guys are from, I think, One's from Florida, another from Mississippi, and, and there's, their top three receivers are all from the South. Like, Tom Allen went to Florida specifically as an assistant, like almost as a coaching residency, to build those connections in Florida. And Indiana's been able to use it. So, again, what's the difference between Indiana and Nebraska right now? And I think it's just kind of the unity of, of the team as a whole. Uh, that might help Nebraska retain some of these guys, which I think is the, the big issue. Uh, well, it, it, it's an equal issue to choosing the right ones and being good in your evaluation. That's so hard because, you know, credit Nebraska for being able to go get all of that Florida talent, but it's about retention and development. And we, we just haven't seen yet when those kids left, had they gone on to be stars or pros somewhere else? Some may, some may not. I don't, I don't know, but Vogues, it's it's really tough because I don't doubt the the thing that got on either Coach Fisher or Beckton or, or Frost's radar with these kids, right? I mean, they I, I trust their scouting eye. It's just you know I don't know, and I had a theory that you just have impatience by young kids why am i not playing it's a losing team let me get in there but i think there's a a checklist of things that need to happen to (laughs) to to earn some time on the field and nebraska's just not giving out you know the old hall pass to go jump out on the field and and i think there's there's some disconnect there. There's some frustration with the kids, and that's that's why Nebraska's also vogues. And do you think I'm right with this or not? Maybe they've reached on kids uh, where the talent level is obvious, but are they are they ready to to put in the time and the grind to be college football players and be told no? Yeah, I think I think there's there's some of that, you know. So Nebraska, this staff's kind of best recruiting window would have been that, that 2019 class when, okay, yeah, you started out 0-6, and that's not ideal, but by the end of it, people were feeling pretty good, and it's still a year one, so you can, you can sell a little bit of, yeah, see those losses. If you come here, you can help us eradicate those. Um, but, but since then, 
you'd like to have some success to <laughs> to play on and recruiting. I mean, think about what Iowa's recruiting materials look like now for guys that are that are in on both the the Hawkeyes and the Huskers. Um, <laughs> and they've they've been they could be pretty snarky for the past three, four, five years, and yet another year out of that now. That's an issue just in terms of local recruiting. But not having sort of – Nebraska hasn't become more trendy since that 2019 class. And you look at who's playing now, and that 2019 class is carrying a pretty heavy load. But this, this you know, most recent class, you look at the attrition that's already happened there and, and what might be coming down the pike, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Like you don't make that up with, with the 2021 recruiting class or just one recruiting class in general. So it's, there's an uphill, like Frost maintains that, that Nebraska is making progress. And I think yesterday's loss to Iowa, even though it was a loss supports some of those notions, but there's still a lot of uphill kind of grinding to be done here for Nebraska to break out of this. Yeah. And you look at Florida in particular, um, the staff has signed 13 players. There's four left on the roster in three classes. Four. Braxton Clark, Marcus Fleming, who knows where that's headed. Um, Tamon Lynham, Marvin Scott. That's it. it. Is the juice worth... I, I guess that's sort of what I was alluding to with the offense, too. Is like it, It's one thing to have your plan coming into this thing. right? And I think Frost, say what you want. I think he really does have a plan for absolutely everything. I think he's a diligent kind of planner. But that plan isn't working. <laughs> that particular plan. Let's bring in a bunch of guys from the set. Let's get speed on the field. They're, they're not staying here. So it, is he at a point where he needs to revise maybe the blueprint he came in with, with what he thought he could and should build? Um. Is it time to just rethink the plan, rethink the trajectory, rethink kind of everything? Well, I mean, I do think rethinking everything is is on the table for Nebraska once they get to this this offseason. It would be a little bit uh, derelict not to at least do that. And And I'm sure that they are. You know, we talk about it often enough. Um Frost is still a young head coach, and that UCF stint was was so quick. I mean, it was two years and saw so much success that you kind of get to to the, the next place, and the thing that you did that worked hasn't worked here, and, and just that's where you see the experience part of it. I think potentially come in is okay. Well, what's your what's your second what's your backup plan? What's your secondary plan? And I think Nebraska is still trying to figure that out well hold on hold on to the best parts of, of plan a that still worked um but you know you start the thing i through all of this uh the thing i keep thinking about is 2021 like i don't know just in college football in general how many of the seniors this year will come back they all have the option to i'd be surprised if the majority of them did um you know it's, it'll be a situational thing but what's Nebraska in 2021? What are they selling? Like, what's that team look like? We've got a couple of games still here in 2020 to get through, but Nebraska's going to have to come up with some sort of off-season spark, some sort of change, because on paper, it, it's not going to be a team, I think, with, with a ton of expectations. And, and what do you do? In some ways, that might be more damaging entering year four 
than a worse than expected year three. The hope that you take out of year three is that maybe you finish out and find a way against Minnesota, against Purdue, and then the the, the crossover week nine game. And, you know, is Nebraska find a way to get over the hump and finish with some momentum, or is it just more continuous punches to the growing with with close coin flip losses right and does it get worse does it get better does it stay the same i mean what what are the what what's all hiding behind doors one two and three here with what's left of the season the good news is you got to play and some guys got experience in doing so you hope that moves forward and they're better players in 2021 but there's so much going on. And Vogue says we say goodbye, and it was so much fun to chat this morning. What's your take on the climate right now with Nebraska football? Uh, and is that – it's always a thing. I mean, the, 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 the fan base, the program support, the frustration. You know, how, how do you deal with that here these last three to four weeks if you're Scott Frost? He knows he's fine, but and he should be fine. But when it comes to, to players and even your own staff, how do you kind of re, re how do you evaluate this year when looking at it improving? That's a, that's a tough one. I think it's I think you're right. It's really important for Nebraska over however many games it has left, uh, three hopefully at least. Mm-hmm. To, to kind of come up with a 2018-like close to the season and, and have some momentum. You know, I wrote this after the Illinois game, and, and playing better against Iowa certainly helped. But I think you're, you're still waiting for Nebraska, the team itself, to look like it's united behind kind of a common goal or common idea. Um, it, it still like getting back to 1990s Nebraska can't be it. Because that's too too big. It's too abstract for I think players of this age. Like yes, they they know and they walk by the trophies and, and see it every day. But you know, it just I, I think it has to be smaller than that. Like locking in some of this stuff that continues to pay, plague Nebraska. Uh, you just you, you can't address that big picture. It's got to be it's got to be detail focused. Um, you look at these, you just, you've got to lock in the execution part of things, start there. Um, and, and if you can do that, then the natural advantages you have at a football school like Nebraska, uh, can kind of take, take hold. Uh, I think Nebraska may have gotten a couple of steps out of order overall. At least that's what we're seeing so far. Vogues, uh, don't doubt your ability, your money at barbecue. All right. <laughs> Try and be better next week. <laughs> You're awesome. Be good. And uh, thanks for jumping on. That's Brandon Vogel. Vogel, take care, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. There he is. I'm trying to be better next week. That's that's funny. Uh, we'll uh, step aside for a moment. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity continues. We'll get the Iron Horses take. Gary Sharp's next. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. 
going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Hope you're doing all right. Weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Willie J sitting in today. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs and at Willie J. That's where you can find us on Twitter. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Without further ado, we welcome in the Iron Horse. We say hi to Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good morning. Thanks for jumping on with us. How are you doing today? Good. Good Saturday morning, boys. You know, kind of a lot of the same here and plenty to to go over. But I want to start off with some of your impressions and reaction to Frosty's presser from yesterday, his postgame. What were your takeaways? Absolutely hated it. Hated it. Didn't need to go there. I don't know why he goes there. I think it's a crutch. Um you know, it's just I hate when he references the past or says I'm not going to talk about the previous staff and talks about the previous staff. <laughs> yeah. This is his football team. This is the team that he has put together. And there's part of it that he owns. There's no doubt about that. Then there's other part that he wants to use something from the past. And that drives me nuts, and I hate it every single time when he goes there. And to be honest, I have said the same thing for three years. Even before they played a game, don't reference the past. Don't lean on the past. Talk about now. Talk about the future. Because, you know, people may be coming in and out, and they have no idea what his place is in Nebraska football. Or even some of the former teammates he references that, you know, his his own players may not know who they are. Um, So I didn't like it. And And then you added in the whole clapping conversation. It just... It was, it was a, a, a kind of a mixed day yesterday. I think when you're almost 30 games in and 11 of your 19 games are one-possession losses, you could sit me down and say, hey, I think we're making progress. This is where we're making progress. And there are certain areas that I'll go, yes, I can see the start of something. But I think what frustrates people this morning and continues to frustrate people is these close losses, and they all look the same. It's self-inflicted wounds at the worst time, and Nebraska can't get out of their own way. And I think when you have things like that, guys, it's hard to judge if this program is making progress, or as I have liked to say, I think if you're using it in the analogy of a car, they're still stuck in park and have yet to get going. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Gary, there's so much, so much in there. Like, I understand where Frost is coming from. I don't like the way he delivers it, but he's not wrong when he says, he's basically trying to say the best teams are player-led, and they're self-policed. Now, he harkens back to the 90s, which makes people roll their eyes, but that's what he's trying to say. And then you look at it, and you look at the first three classes Right, that would that would basically comprise your upperclassmen now. You signed sixty six players, and this is like two, cla- two last two classes of Riley, first class of Frost. You signed sixty six guys. Thirty nine of them are gone. Sixty <laughs> percent. <laughs> they're not even here. They're not here. 
whether through graduation, transfer, never made it, whatever. You're talking 60% of, of your upperclassmen just flat out aren't on the roster right now. In that way, does it make what he's talking about? Is, is he sort of trying to tell us, look, I want this to be a – I want this to be a self-policed team, but we're just flat out not there yet because you don't have the bodies to even make it like that. So let's ask the question. He, he wants to win in the worst way. And I wonder, guys, if he knows the blueprint to win at a place like Nebraska and then the Big Ten. I think this job right now is enormous for a guy that is in his position and you've coached almost 30 football games. I think it's a learning experience on the fly. He's a guy that has never really dealt with this kind of surroundings where you're not successful and you can't, you know, you can't take steps forward. Nebraska right now is one of those programs that does take a step forward but then quickly takes two steps back. And no one's got like I do. That kind of thing drives him nuts. You're absolutely right, Mark. He wants us to be player-led. The best teams across any sport are player-led. But why is this team not player-led, and why have so many guys left? Is it because they're not fitting your culture and you don't need that? That's perfectly fine, and I think there's a couple of guys that have left recently that it's okay that they're out of the program. It'll make the people in their position group room better and settle those kind of things down. Why I've said this, I've said this how many weeks in a row, guys? Wide receiver room is a mess. You have so many different personalities, and, and nobody, is, nobody is together. Um, so you, may have some def- you might have some defections there and go, man, subtraction, uh, we're going to be okay. Addition by subtraction. So I think what you have to do, as this program maybe plays just one more regular season game, I'm, I'm really suspect if Minnesota will play because they have a huge assortment of, of outbreaks on their roster. Um, you start to have to ask the questions, why? Why can't we win close games? What leaves us from making crucial mistakes at certain times where we don't see them Monday through Thursday? Or if you do, you get what you tolerate. I think the biggest question moving forward is why. Because all of these things, these little things that keep adding up on game days, they cloud any progress that you've made or trying to sell that, hey, here we go, we're getting close. Sharpie, you're you're right about you know the the forecast and the the cloudiness that is kind of around the progress because on the defensive side of things you've played well enough to win more than one game this year. You also had the abuse you took against Illinois, so it's again back to your steps forward and then steps back. That's maddening when it comes to consistency. But what's your take on things with, with practice and discipline and the, the fact that you have some young guys that, that make crucial mistakes, but you have two vets yesterday that make really, really costly missteps. And that's one on the offensive line. That's one in special teams. And I guess it, it's a bigger mess when guys that aren't supposed to do that end up doing it. You know, we, we get back to this talk of progress and culture and why are your, your quote, leaders uh, the ones that, that are, are also misstepping? That, that's hard. It's really hard for a program. The, the, yeah, the whole thing is just where Nebraska football has been in the last 10 to 15 years, guys. What you just said, Schmitty, 
from the standpoint of you, we're all talking out of our ass if we can say, hey, well, this is what happens in practice because none of us see practice. Exactly. I'm right. asking. We, I'm asking. We're, we're not. We're not, we're, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming at you. Yeah. Um, you know, and we don't, we, well, he makes a really good leader. Well, we haven't been around him. I can tell you one thing about leadership. I'm riding with Adrian Martinez. Yep. I'm handing him the keys, and I'm not looking back the rest of the year. There's a kid that's a leader. Does he have deficiencies? Yes. But that's a guy I want on the football field leading my team. There's a captain. He's for a reason. You, you, can, you can knock his play, and it has dropped off. You can't knock his character. That's the guy I'm riding with. Um, it's just, it's the frustrating thing, but at the end of the day, guys, you got to look in the mirror and right now where Nebraska football is with three games left in this COVID season, which I don't believe is a throwaway because Nebraska hasn't had any major outbreaks. All of the regulars have played. You have to look in the mirror and say, right now, we're a very average football program, very average football program. And we can't get out of the average category until we do X, Y, and Z. And until then, we have to accept where we're at. And that is an average football program that can't play complementary football. If I would have told you, if we did this show yesterday morning, and I would have told you that the Black Shirts were going to go to Iowa City, a team that's won three in a row, and they're running the ball down people's throats, and they look like what Iowa's supposed to look like. And Nebraska defensively is going to go in there after the last five years of never sacking a Nebraska, an Iowa quarterback since 16. <laughs> the last five years giving up uh, over six yards per carry. Black shirts are going to go in there. They're only going to give up two offensive touchdowns, and they're going to hold Iowa to less than three yards rushing. You're going to say Nebraska won the football game. But you know what? There were other two phases that were not good enough. And then we've had games this year where one phase is really good and the other two phases are not. Nebraska's an average football team. There are certain pieces there that I think can work, but they need a lot more than that, and they need to get everything going at the same time, which is still not just the Scott Frost problem. It's been a problem for a while that has plagued Nebraska football. It's funny, too, Gary, because we say all this, and it's all true. Like the, th- the, the sum of the parts is just di- discombobulated and flat-out odd. I mean, it's, an odd, it's a weird team well, to watch. It, it, they're, yes, they're strange, it, it, but... Gary, they look. They just lost by six on the road to Iowa. They just lost by eight at number eleven Northwestern. Right? They also crapped the bed against Illinois. Let's throw that one aside. But you know what? When, you know, Mark, when Scott you, says they're not that far away, you can kind of see that. But it's just like you're just sick of hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But they're really so not. Is, they played okay this, against Iowa yesterday. They really did. They, they, played, they played well enough defensively to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't preach progress and have Illinois on your resume. Yeah. That just is unacceptable. Um, yeah. And, and I, I don't know, I, I think I'm past, and I knew that Nebraska would play hard yesterday, but I'm past that. You're 29 games into your tenure about going, well, Nebraska played hard. You know what? Yes, they did. We can all agree about that. But Nebraska didn't play smart at crucial times. And again, they got in their own way that limited them from winning a football game. And there are a lot of these things that keep adding up over these 11 one-possession losses of the 19 that you've had that all look similar. All look similar. And the personnel has changed. And you're right, Schmidt. You said earlier, young guys and old guys. I mean, it's, it's head-scratching. What's going on right now? 
But there are so many things, guys, that have to be looked at in the offseason. Why can't Nebraska get anything out of the running back position? It is, look at the stats of, of the running back just running the football this year. Never in my wildest dreams covering the University of Nebraska football program did I think we would see less production out of that position than we have seen this year. Why does Elante Brown get an 18-yard reception in the second quarter and you don't come his way again? Why on the opening drive, which I think the opening drive of the second half, guys, was one of the best drives that Scott Frost has had in his three years as head coach. They had tempo, they had variety, they never got behind the sticks, there were no penalties, nothing like that. They looked great moving right down the field. One of the big plays was a 15-yard little that little bump pass that Bellevue West played mm-hmm. to Xavier Betts, which he scored on already this year. He never touched the ball again. Why? What happens? Is that because the quarterback can't find him? I mean, there's so many. The, the biggest question is why. You've got to be able to start answering the question why before you can, can move forward. Um, but it's, I, 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 would, I know how Scott feels. Okay, I can, I can watch it in his face, and I know he's confused, he's frustrated, he's angry, he's disappointed. Some days he's encouraged in the same sentence. He'll be back to, oh, no, because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. We try and make sense of putting pieces together, and you get to the next part of the piece, and you go, oh, well, that's not going to work. I mean, it's, 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 it's frustrating right now, and I think you hear, you guys hear, I hear from a lot of fans that they're just tired. They're tired, you know, and I, 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 think, I think the program is tired right now. They need something good to happen and not just one week. They need a win to be more than just a, a scratch on the ledger. They need it to be like a tipping point. Yesterday, quite honestly, could have been one of those, but it was all too familiar when it was the game was on the line. Sharpie, a, a thought, and you've spent a lot of time down in Florida, and Cranax touched on the the attrition, right? And in your opinion, what what is going on with the the Florida connection? You're good enough to get him here. You've scouted high level talent, but ultimately there's been defections. And I I think, and I'm not blaming Coach Fisher or Coach Becton. I'm just asking out loud, you know. Man, because uh, I, I trust those guys with their eyes. I mean, and, you know, they'll they'll scout guys for quite a bit of their high school career. And when you look at the peer group that's recruiting some of these kids, they're not just getting diamonds in the rough. They're getting kids that, that other places want. And, you know, why why is it been, why has it been such an issue with, with keeping Florida talent here? That's a great question now. I, I think there's some of the defections this year could be COVID-related, um, okay. the anxiety of being that far away from home, not knowing if you were going to play football. Um, so that may have factored into a couple of them. You know, I think Travis Fisher is a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he has a great handle on South Florida kids. Now, the state of Florida, the kids in South Florida are – built a little bit differently than the kids in Central or North Florida. Um, it just because there's more attention to the kids in South Florida when it comes to college football if you're a top-level recruit. Um, I don't know if some kids get here and they think just because they were the cream of the crop at their high school in South Florida where they have great high school football that they should be able to walk in and play right away, and when they don't, 
they get upset, and it's time to go back home. I'm not sure what the reason is there. I, I, I truly believe Nebraska does not promise guys playing time when they're recruiting them. They say you will come in and you will earn your spot. Um, and also, let's be honest, some guys, the culture is not for them. You know, it's a culture that demands a lot out of you and demands almost 24-7 that you're a football player and you love the game as much as the head coach and the staff. And sometimes that doesn't resonate. And so uh, guys that are leaving early, I think that's another question you have to ask why. Because you can say, well, you don't need those guys. We can go to California. Well, look what happened to California kids. You need, you need places to go get your skill guys. Yeah. You just, you know, you, it's, it's a crapshoot when it comes to recruiting. You never know how it's going to work out. Because there's some, the Florida guys that are still on the roster, they kind of like it here, and they're contributing. But when, you, when, you are, when you're in the midst of a season like Nebraska is, and before the game is over yesterday, Ronald Delancey puts his name in the portal, people are going to ask these questions. I think, in this case, it says a lot more about the kid that he's in the portal when a game is still going on. I mean, you're going to have... Yeah might have a couple of more. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Marcus Fleming, guys. I, 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 you know, he hasn't played since the Northwestern game. I know he's very disgruntled. Um, he's somebody you want in your program. But if he's not happy here, he's not going to make everybody else happy in that wide receiver room. So I, I think there's probably, there's probably going to be a little bit more attrition, maybe even some players that you would not I- I expect um, until you get this thing right. Sharpie, real quick, about, about two minutes, and thanks for joining us this morning. With Fleming, how can he be good enough to get on the field five for seventy-five against Northwestern, but then it's milk carton time? Well, you you asked a question of I go back to why. Mm-hmm. Um, was he all of a sudden injured? You know, Omar Manning, who I put off to the side. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. Those are those are questions that are are eluding all of us from the outside. Um, but if you have a moment like Northwestern where you're like, oh, man, this kid can play, and you don't see him afterwards, you're wondering, okay, what's going on? But this might be a bigger thing, guys, when it comes to the skill guys and the wide receivers not named Wondell Robinson. Alante Brown, one catch yesterday. Xavier Betts, one catch. There is no doubt that those two guys can play in the Big Ten and make a difference for Nebraska. Why have they targeted or why aren't they giving the ball more after they have success? Think about it from a player standpoint. If that's the case, aren't you asking questions why? Yeah. Or you're saying, okay, I know why. I've got to do this, this, and this. Something, something's a disconnect there between the game plan and the skill guys that can get you big chunk plays because this is not an offense. It's getting a ton of chunk plays not named with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sharpie, have a great weekend. Have a good call. And uh, great to get caught up with you again, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next Saturday. Wait a minute. Man. I think you guys should just blow through the top of the hour, and let's continue this discussion. <laughs> I did three and a half hours of a call-in show last night. We need to get all of this off our chest. <laughs> man, just keep on rocking. Call management. <laughs> I'd call Brady's him. has got many more thoughts that he has not shared yet. I know that for a fact. I'd love to, to go another hour or two, but uh, I'm, sell, I'm, sell, I'm saving it for compelling tweets later. Okay, <laughs> so that is well. Buy buy Sharpie a drink. I didn't have yeah. to do yesterday's post game. <laughs> hey, hey guys, you know one thing here. Hey, hey, looking at college football, so far so good. We had a game yesterday. Um, 
I do think brighter days are ahead. It's just it's taken a little bit longer uh, than to get there, and we don't know what the end game will be. But there were there were more promising things yesterday. Hey, Damian Daniels against the number one center in the country. I thought it held up pretty well. Yeah, he was good. He was yeah. great yesterday. Did All right, well. we, that's good. We end on a yeah. positive note. I'll call back at 930. <laughs> <See> you, <Sharpie. laughs> Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> That'll do it. Weekend edition back at you Monday, 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity. Cranach, you be good. You as well, sir. All right, Willie J, appreciate you much. We'll talk to you Monday on Hale Varsity.